The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey everyone, uh, Richard Blaze here. Uh, welcome to Starving for Attention on the road here in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, on a restaurant project called Yellow Belly. Uh, today's episode is with Gerard Kraft. Uh, very sad. Jasmine is all the way in California. She's not here for the open. Uh, we just did this interview, literally, probably you know, thirty minutes before you're going to hear it. So we're going to get right into it. Without further ado, Gerard Kraft. Dude, what's going on, man? How are you? Good. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, I'm excited to be yeah. here. Yeah. We have not spent a lot of time together. Nope. Uh, pretty much at all, right? <laughs> um, you're, a, you're a big, uh, you're a hockey guy, aren't you? Uh, you know, I, I grew up playing some hockey and I enjoy it, but uh, you know, I'm not. Not too deep. You got it. But this was a what, did I? This was a good year for your hockey fandom. This is, is that's that's what I understand, right? Uh, no? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I did pretty well this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you're, but you're uh, St. Louis now. You live in St. Louis. I live in St. Louis. But your but hockey I grew allegiance up in DC. is DC. Yeah. So, so I've seen. So they had a good year. For so I've sure. seen some pictures with you with the Capitals jerseys on. Yep. But uh, you always have. I, I find that someone again who grew up in New York and has lived in a number of other places. Uh, I'm okay with like having other teams. Uh, have you like obviously I'm, I'm assuming you've embraced like the blues to some degree or no yeah I'm definitely a blues fan okay yeah, yeah I was gonna say because some awesome. I feel like DC is one of those areas where like you don't have it's not like you'd get disowned like if you're from Philly oh yeah totally and you don't root for the Philly team regardless of where you live in the world like they just disown you kind of the same with like New York or Boston yeah and I mean I grew up like a, an Orioles fan now they got the Nats and I mean you know They've got a weird history of sports in DC. That does. Yeah. I, I I'm an Orioles fan. Well, generally, I'm a fan of logos and and yeah. cool jerseys and stuff like that. And the Orioles has to be probably one of the most yeah. classic, amazing uh, jerseys of all time. Uh, what have you opened up the the new place yet? Yeah, so we just okay. opened up Cinder House down at the yeah. Four Seasons Hotel. Okay, so it's been keeping us pretty busy. I bet. I bet. How how's it going? Uh, it's going really well. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm cooking a lot of food that I grew up with, so it's kind of weird because professionally I've never really cooked this food, and I'm I mean having such a blast doing it. Right. Yeah. So this this food then is the restaurant is called. It's called Cinder, Cinder House, House, right? Yeah. And the food is what? It's you know it's South American, but there's a heavy uh, a heavy influence from Brazil. Okay. And so I mean I, I had a nanny growing up who was like a second mom to me. Right. Uh, she passed away a few years ago, but oh. uh, I, so I grew up eating Brazilian food. Right. Uh, I mean you know just at home, right? Right. So like you know like. Uh, you know, rice and beans, uh, you know, with, with pork, you know, like, a, you know, basic feijoada and sure. uh, pound chicasia, which is like a cheese bread and, uh, you know, these, these things called coxinha, which are like uh, almost like really, really good chicken nuggets. <laughs> so how, um, so to even someone like myself, I'm not incredibly familiar with Brazilian food. Yeah. So have you had to fight, is, really. have you had to fight through the like, oh yeah, I know Brazilian food. It's like uh, a gaucho slicing meat and, yeah. and putting it on a steak. Like I, yeah, you know, I think, I think we've been kind of careful not to like 
say like Brazilian steakhouse right. or anything like that. Even though it is Cinderhouse is kind of like a South American steakhouse in some ways. We, sure, we do have a solid steak menu. But yeah, you know, I don't think very many people are super familiar with Brazilian food, except for you know uh, the the churrasco spots and uh, things like that. So uh, a little bit, but I, you know, the reception. I think you know we're cooking comfort food right? right so so it's easy to well, make i mean you said happy. cheesy bread right yeah, like, exactly. i mean that, that is so, totally comfort food but i love the fact that it's not see like i would look at i've been thinking a lot lately about well what's a food that really or what's a region or an area of the world that really hasn't been tapped into yeah uh, I, mean, I think you know from the business perspective it's always great to find like no one really knows about this one place that yeah um i mean like for me like um she and famous foods uh i'm I'm mispronouncing the the region yeah killing it but like that food to me when i first like discovered like wait chinese food has cumin and lots of vinegar and like lots of chilies and like to me it blew me away is that sort of a like a like the discovery of brazilian food yeah Uh, are you seeing that happen like with guests yeah i think people you know the the interesting thing though about you know i mean which makes it way different than chinese food uh but the interesting thing about brazilian food is it's this interesting cross of european and african food right right which uh which makes it like french food but in my opinion even better you know? right like feijoada is almost like cassoulet right right you know, in a lot of ways break down a, a, a traditional feijoada so feijoada i mean you know in its simplest form you have rice black beans and the black beans have always been cooked with you know different types of pork and beef and i mean i think it's, it's kind of different for everybody uh it gets topped then with collard greens mm. uh slices of orange and something called farofa which is like you know think about putting breadcrumbs on your uh, cassoulet yes but it, yes but it's manioc flour sauteed with uh sauteed with garlic and onions and then you can always kind of add other things so so it's basically it is like the uh the the uh, it's not trendy it's classic but the the pasta topping yeah, right? the, yeah, the, yeah, bread, yeah. The, gre- the breadcrumbs and the sort of gremolata exactly sort yeah, of yeah, topping. Yeah. yeah and it's it, it's so you know because manioc almost has like uh, or cassava has this almost like sourness sure to it that's that's so great uh even like pound chicasio which is like the cheese bread right is pretty much a gougere made with cassava right instead of flour now a, a lot of your other places are sort of have that play more in the european lexicon yeah so do you find yourself um either with guests or your team or, or your cooks sort of oh this is it's a gougere but this yeah yeah okay, for right. sure because i mean you know you get try to get people to to understand what it is uh and you know it's like a gougere but better now right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there you go now is there anything that we're uh, as you're playing in this sort of genre now where you've been like, why have I been making gougeres this? Like, you know, sometimes when you go back, especially like to archaic cuisines or whatever, things yeah. that are really traditional, and you realize, why? I, I, I know that the French have been doing this for years, but, but why? Yeah, you and, know, I, you know, it's, or, I, I like the story of it. You know, it just kind of makes me dig into, you know, how, uh, how, you know, that cuisine was formed, right? You know, who... Who occupied the land when and how all these different influences came about. I think, you know, that's the most fascinating thing, whether you're studying European food or South American food, is, you know, there's so many ties to all of our foods around the world, right? Yeah. And I love seeing how they all kind of come 100%. together. 100%. And, like, we've been, I think, sort of trained to, to say that 
like fusion like the word fusion yeah. is like a disgusting like I word know. right like, you're like i don't ever want to be sort of described as but fusion. It's all fusion right but there's so many cuisines that just naturally i'm getting goosebumps talking about it that just naturally sort of connect the dots um vietnamese now, food right i mean is is super french based exactly man was a french chef now, how much of that, 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 so that's storytelling, which again, I, 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 uh, we're sitting here in Yellow Belly, which is a project here in St. Louis that I'm, I'm, I'm working on, and we are island inspired, right? And it's yeah. like, you know, it also takes a little bit of time to sort of also figure out exactly like what the restaurant's story is. Um, but I've been the same as you. I'm like fascinated with like, no, we can do this dish because there is this one little island. It's off the coast of here. And, you know, it may not seem like an island dish, but it is. How much of that story plays out like with your service staff? Like I know in the kitchen you're, t- you're talking about this with your cooks, obviously. Yeah. But uh, the food seems like it's very like um, almost like ho- homey, like you said, comforting. Yeah. So you Super probably different. don't want the, the server delivering rice and beans and then going through the soliloquy of like the history of Brazil. Yeah, you know, I think you, you try to teach the servers to, to know when people want the story, though, you know, and, and I think people do. I think people, you know, I, I always talk when we had niche, we, uh, we used to make camembert there. We had a great cheese maker. Right. And uh, we we're using raw milk from... Uh, from uh, our pastry assistant's farm. Oh, that's it. Yeah. But, you know, but when you deliver this dish, right, this cheese course, uh, and you just kind of drop it off at somebody. You know, everybody has good cheese now. You can go to Whole Foods, get great cheese. So if you don't tell the story, it's just good cheese. Right, right? yeah. But if you tell the story, uh, you know, about how it was made and where it came from, all of a sudden, that's the difference between like a four and a five star experience. Hundred percent, dude. We are like we have this. Uh, one of my restaurants in San Diego. Same thing. We have a uh, a service member whose uncle, you know, basically lives in Cotija and brings brings cheese across the border. Nice. Similar, another yeah, cheese yeah. story. And it's like the cheese is great. We can find comparable cheese. But, like, we can't find that story. Yeah. Like, you know, we have another cook whose aunt dives for sea urchin. Like, that just takes well, the dish to the next sort of level. You're going to have to hook me up with some of these, uh, like, sort of farmer connections oh, yeah, um, as well. For sure. And I love how also are, are a lot of those stories for you, um, like, that one's very personal. Someone on your staff who has this. Um, are they all... Are they all ingredient sort of driven, those stories? Or do you think... Or, or like, the story of your nanny. Like, yeah. does that... I mean, I think the, the, the story of... Uh, or people-driven. I guess Dia, what I'm saying, ingredient know. or people. What, yeah. what drives the story first? You know, I think, I think again, they're, they're both, right? Like, uh, the ingredients always come from the people and, you know, from these farms or whatever. And the story of, you know, Dia and Cecilia, I think the coolest thing about opening this restaurant, when you talk about people and memories, is that, uh, that you know, all of a sudden on Facebook, you know... Uh, all of her family in uh, in Brazil right. are all following along and posting pictures of the restaurant and, you know, like getting super excited about all the food and, you know, and the memory of Dia and, and everything like that. So, uh, you know, that, you know, down there, it's definitely, you know, very... Uh, people-inspired stories. So are you? So then, there's going to be a Brazil location coming. Yeah, is, that, yeah. is that sort uh, of? A, we're definitely trying to get down there in uh, in January, but well, you have yeah. to, right? Too. Yeah. Like um, again, uh, I spend uh, this this restaurant here, Yellow Belly, has a you know it's an island-inspired, but there's definitely sort of a lean a little bit towards Hawaii, which I like. I just came back from ten days. I have to spend time there now. Yeah. Right. Like totally. there has to be that 
in today's world especially like there has to be some sort of authenticity like for you it's not just like an interest in the food yeah. there's like a personal connection there's people involved with it yeah and uh, the weird thing is i've actually never been to brazil even though i grew up eating brazilian food i'm connected to so many brazilian people in dc right and, and in you know uh minas where she was from like you know but but it is kind of weird that that i've actually never been there but i think that actually to me that makes the story even more interesting and yours because do you find sometimes especially with authenticity and like i know you you play in the um the italian uh lexicon right yeah, like you love totally. Itali- you love italian food um Italians I find or Italian food I find to be where authenticity a lot of times gets in the way of uh, creativity. Yeah, sometimes for sure. Yeah, right, I mean, like you it, get so like if you especially in Italy, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. Where I like a lot of some of it is cultural, of course. But uh, okay, I mean, I'll even ask you. So like cheese and seafood, right? This, this whole thing. What do you a cheese and a seafood dish in the in for Italian food? What are your thoughts? What do you mean? Oh, like, would, like on, oh, you got oh, a linguine yeah, no, and clams. I mean, do you shave yeah, parm over it or no? Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. I love, <laughs> love parmesan. Right, like so, so that's like same with me. And again, I'm I've, I'm not. I've done the DNA test. I'm not Italian. Yeah. But like, I like I like cheese and linguine and clams. Like, I'm okay with it. It's but fine. I know that some people freak out over that, and yeah. it's ba- basically because you know they might have 30, 40, 50 years of just living with the fact. Like, no, we don't put cheese. And if you go to Italy, you know, you're in Bologna, you know, there's only one way to do things. Right, (laughs) right. And anything else, we have a friend. Do you know Andrea Bedzecki from... uh, Not personally, right. uh, San Giacomo Balsamic Vinegar. But uh, we we have Strozza Predi with uh, Ragu Bolognese, and he's like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Tagliatelle is the only thing that you can serve. Right. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I like the noodles. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I I mean, the sauce might grip the uh, the shape of the noodle a little bit better personally. Great together. Uh, I'm I'm about to spend uh, as like you have. I've not been to Italy and actually, but Italian food has been a big part of like my 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 food as well. So, but I'm spending about to spend two weeks in Rome this this fall. Nice. And I feel like my heart's a little bit like Roman sort of pasta dishes. You know, are my more of my favorite probably. So I'm looking forward to that and coming back and then being the guy who's like no you can't do it that yeah. <laughs> you can't do it that way because in rome they do it this it way it took me a while to fall in love with rome but but i'm definitely what, what was it that that like that's an interesting comment you know i, th- I think it, rome rome is where you know a lot of italy is weird you know but rome especially i feel like very inconsistent restaurants for okay some, for right. whatever reason i don't know why uh but I think it wasn't until recently that I really found a groove with the restaurants that I that I found in love. Oh, nice! And I'm gonna have to hit you up yeah, with a, with a couple sure. lists. Yeah. Do you think some of that just happens to be with like the size of a city? Like a lot of people, like I'm a native yeah. New Yorker, and a lot of people are like, no, New York, the restaurants are great. It's <laughs> like, yeah, there are great restaurants per per like per the amount of restaurants, there are more great restaurants in New York than maybe anywhere else, right? Yep. But there's also a lot of. Restaurants There's so many bad ones in New York because it's just such a big place, and especially yeah. if you're just a traveler. Without, I I make this mistake as a family. You have a, a couple of young girls as yeah. well, right? So like we just did Paris as a family too, and like you would think as a food person, we, I would have charted out more. Like yeah. we really went just as tourists, and like if you're just like schlepping around a city, right? It's Paris. hard sometimes yeah. to just accidentally walk into a gem. You kind of have yeah. to go with a little bit of a chart. 
Um, Paris is, is one of my favorites too. Is, well, yeah, again, yeah. and it's amazing. And like, you know, to just have my, you know, my seven year old, like eating, you know, escargot willingly and stuff like that. Just the, like the basic things that, you yeah. know, a kid might, you know, explore in Paris. Uh, but it can be challenging, you know, if you don't have a list, Very. if you're like, we're going to go here, we're going to go here. Um, so St. Louis, you've won a James Beard award or at least one. How many, I mean, just one, one, yeah. which is, uh, congratulations. Thank I've you. only been nominated and I still run it. Like I still put it on the resume as like <laughs> a leading thing. Um, you know, it is, of course, our Emmys and Oscars and Grammys and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, winning one in St. Louis, and I don't know if you feel like this. How does it, like, I'm coming to the city and, like, you know, I have to reach, like, I, I have to reach out to you because it's, like, I, I'm, in, a, in, a, in respect, it's your city. You know, you and a couple of other chefs, right, who are, yeah. like, sort of the big dogs. And I have sort of had a similar experience, like, in Atlanta where I lived for a while. Yeah. How does it, do you feel like you're a big fish in a medium-sized pond here? Like, do you feel like you're the James, one of the James Beard winners of this city? You have a n- number of restaurants. You're a restaurateur. You're super famous. Um, you know, I... Uh, you it's know, a tough the, question. It is a tough right. question. This, this city is awesome, and it's been growing so fast recently. Um, you know, I don't know. I just... You know, there's so much talent here right now uh, that more than ever, I probably feel like still like a small fish that's trying to, like, you know... Uh, be as good as uh, some of the other guys. But even with a number, right are you, do you feel like uh, now at this point, how many restaurants? Uh, we have six. So six restaurants. Yeah. Have you? And I just this happened in like the I think actually the last podcast I did, um, and I was talking to the chef, and he we realized kind of at the same moment, like, am I a restaurateur? Like, are you a restaurateur? You know, it's interesting. You know, I feel like there's months that I'm a restaurateur, and then there's months that I'm a, that I'm a chef, and you know, like right now I'm cooking a lot you know right and then all of a sudden i just get sucked into you know uh you know the the finance side of everything right um but you're you're okay though like because for me again it's almost like i have in my head like the idea of a restaurateur as a guy in a suit that's probably from my training and he comes in and he eats something and he gives comments to you and he writes the checks but he's not really involved necessarily in like the heartbeat of the restaurant so it's hard for me to like look at that vision and then say oh i'm a restaurateur now yeah, even though technically i am but you're I've, okay with it you're well i've been having that conversation a lot with my partners recently i actually hate it uh i'm, I'm not go. a big i'm not <laughs> a big fan of the the restaurateur right. side i mean i yeah. love creating the restaurants and everything like that but but i i do enjoy cooking way more than i enjoy the stress of the rest of it and i i think that side of it kind of like kills me and i hate it right <laughs> and then you know the the you know creating and the cooking and everything like that's what what I love to do so so okay so we we're in the same boat like <laughs> yeah. it's like you have to you sort of accept it because it is true exactly yeah uh, at the end of the day though you definitely identify more as a chef yeah. than you would would identify as a yeah. restaurant and hopefully there, one day I get get to you know regain more of that m- is the goal is to regain more of of the just you know handing off some of the other stuff you know like finance and everything like that to, to people who are actually really good you how know, didn't uh take so long to pass math classes exactly so how um how how are you with that so again here like we're opening up a concept uh i've had to learn uh, sometimes in a good way or sometimes learn by error that like well you can't do everything right especially if you have so many places how, yeah, how are you with hand, you... handing handing over the 
are there parts that are tougher to hand over? Like for I, me, some of it's creativity. It's tougher to hand over. It is hard to hand over creativity for me. And I, but I think you know, if there's people that are that are better at you, it's something. You know, again, whether it's finance or you know, whether it's marketing, whether it's something like that, like. You know, I love to learn from those people. You right. Know? And so, you know, the more of those kind of people that they can be brought on, you know, they can add value to a section that you're kind of only doing moderately well. Uh, I, I love handing that off. Yeah. You know? I think that that's also like, um, I mean, it comes with with success and maybe perhaps maturity. We're just getting to know each other. So yeah. you seem like a pretty mature guy. Um, but like the idea of like what you just said, I feel like is interesting. Like when I was a younger chef, you know the idea of someone in, on my team being better than me at something like would drive that would drive me crazy yeah totally uh and i think a lot of chefs also make sure that they i mean chefs not at your level but almost hire to make sure that they're at the top of the heap which is a like a problem it's a, yeah it's a really <laughs> bad move it's, a, yeah. it's the worst move you can do but i you know you see it from time to time um and just probably within the last couple of years i've i've been able to sort of be like wow that you know this this chef right my, my chef right here yeah i break down pigs too but he's doing it every single day he's becoming yeah, a master so butcher. much better at you right and i'm like than, like yeah on a tv show day. if i have to do it i can do it yeah you know, there's uh, uh um, one of my chefs kate is behind you and it's like i remember also like having to do a tv episode where uh like the the challenge was like shucking as many oysters as you can oh, God. and like i'm a pretty like i consider myself somewhat of a seafood guy and i've shucked you know thousands of oysters yeah, in my life sure. and i remember like even and this was before she was a sous chef just like let's do it and like she beat me by a couple oysters in like you know two minute chucking contest or whatever uh <laughs> and, and you're hired kind of <laughs> drove me crazy but also made me realize that you know you're doing the right thing when you have people that are sort of like especially taking a department in a restaurant and sort of yeah. running with it i mean my career is on the backs of of so many talented chefs you know i mean that's i i kind of think the james beard awards a joke in some regards mm, yeah. in that thing uh you know because you know i i hire well you know and and i surround myself with talented people and you know try to let them do what they do well and you know they help me i learn from them they learn from me and and i think that's why we've been successful not because like i'm, I'm very careful i hate it when it's like James Beard award-winning chef Gerard Kraft because I'm like yeah you know okay right like you know we have 300 something employees you know uh and and many of them uh you know are the reasons you know why I get an award and you know like cycling or something you know there's there's always got to be the the front runner you know the team leader but but really, you know. But it is a pack. I don't know much about the cycling world, but there are teams. Yeah, right? even, team. even, yeah, even in the Tour de France, there's a, captain, there's a team, you know? right? And yeah. maybe they get more publicity. But at the end of the day, you know, like, like I've, I've worked with so many talented people. And I, I've watched, I remember our last chef at Niche was like, you know, and he came up with me for like eight years. But by the time he left, this guy, Nate Hereford, I mean, he was way better than me. I was like, damn. Yeah. Like, every dish he was putting out was fire. Was well, awesome. the, and then the great thing there, though, is also you just, all you want to do is have that person get to that level. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 to the, at least the level that you're at, or, or like me, probably, to, to achieve more. Yeah, right? or achieving more. It's awesome. Um, what, but did you feel like, what, did you ever feel like that when you worked for, um, like when you worked for some of your mentors or some people? Like, were you ever like, ah, oh, man, this, like I worked for, you know, I worked for Keller, I worked for Daniel Ballou, but yeah. I, I never really felt like, ah, oh, this is. This is my, you know, this is my dish. Even though like something might have been mentioned in an article or whatever, like oh, I had something to do with that. Yeah. But like you, I feel like something has changed, where it was like you work for like a big chef like that, 
And then like that just rides your resume for a couple years. Yeah. And you know, where now it's like almost like because there's so many more great chefs, I think. There are so many great chefs now. I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I think when I was coming up, I don't think I honestly spent quite as long as uh, some of the people who have worked for me right. with, with some of the mentors that I, that I worked for. Um, Same with me. Is that because um, is that because of your ambition? Like, again, I don't know how long your yeah. longest run was, but, but like me, I was much more of a, I put it, I was much more of a, you, you put in your year and like you pay your due and then like, I, you know, hey, listen, okay, I mean, Daniel's a great example. Like, do I want to wait 12 sous chefs in to possibly get my chance to like be a sous chef at a bistro in Toronto or, what, or whatever it is? Or do I want to just strike out on my own? Yeah, I think I think it was probably a combo of just, you know, being over. I mean, you know, I, I opened Niche at 25 Wow. So I was pretty young. And, uh, yeah, I think I overly ambitious probably. How did you fund it? Um, so through my brother, who's much smarter than me and is uh, an investment banker. Okay. And, uh, and my parents and myself. Do uh, you it. have any, um, for a lot of the people that are listening to our podcast, they are, you know, entrepreneurial sure. and like they're, a lot of them are, are cooks and chefs or, 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 or food business owners. Like any real quick uh tips on how to like sort of make your dream come true if you want to get yeah, into so, the i mean niche uh was only 1500 square feet it was tiny uh you know it allowed me to do something affordably and again in a small city like st louis and you know that same restaurant which was three hundred thousand dollars to open wow you know be like a million dollars in new york city probably or, right you know or something like that so you know, I, th- I think understanding that these days now there's like developers who will build just about anything for anybody, uh, you know. So for young right. entrepreneurs, that's also a way to go. Now, now I have. Well, that, let's back up. They'll build yeah. something for you. Like if you came to the table, right? I mean, with the pedigree and the history I and mean, the success. Honestly, these days, you know, uh, these days, I mean, there's so many opportunities for young chefs uh, with these developers. And, you know, maybe it's a one-off spot. You know, it might not be a main and main like Yellow Belly. Right. Here, but, uh, but, you know, uh, if you wanted to go downtown St. Louis to do something, you know, unique and it's a bad place to be per se. Right. Uh, but, but for your first restaurant, that might be great. My place was in Benton Park next to a crack house. Right. <laughs> so, you well, know, that seems to be a lot really of that. Well. <laughs> that seems like, I mean, good real estate. I mean, as far as like, you know, what it costs. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, how was that in St. Louis? Again, someone who's kind of new, new to the area, like the destination element of it. Is it a destination? Yeah. I mean, so city? niche was right. definitely, yeah. I mean, there, I don't know if you've been around, but St. Louis is so spread out, right? right. There's little neighborhoods all over the place, uh, which makes it really cool. I think it makes it hard to, like, develop right. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, places like the Central West End, though, you know, have been developed for years. Uh, this is such a Yeah, I would awesome love to come back and see this area, like, 10 years ago because, yeah. like, I'm here now with a Shake Shack and a Whole Foods on the corner. Yeah. And, and then, then you, that's where you kind of know as a business person, too. You're like, okay, it's been developed to but a certain I mean, degree. you know, this neighborhood's always been pretty high end. And, uh, you know, I mean, you, you go down the street, there's, there's mansions in the city. The architecture is here is, super ins- cool. is insane. But, it's, but my favorite thing, again, just from sort of, like, the overhead view has been the architecture and like the the giant columns and like the the history of the architecture here is kind of kind of insane very very unique yeah very french uh french and german based you know okay. I mean, if you go down to soulard there's even more of that which yeah i mean the the history of st louis is really cool so 
I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna get into it for sure. Hey, listen, uh, if you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. So introducing True Price from True Car. Now you know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your True Price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Hey everyone, if you like this show, you need to check out the Perez Hilton podcast. Each week, Perez is joined by Chris Booker to bring you the best gossip from around Hollywood. What's hot, what's not, and what everyone is talking about. You never know where this show will end up, so check out the Perez Hilton Podcast weekly on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now back to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. We always play a game on the podcast where we get into a couple of games uh, because uh, your last name is Kraft. Yeah. We're going to play a game called Artercraft. You down to play? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So real simple. Now listen, the answers for all of these, quite honestly, Chef, can be you could probably spin them either way. So it's whichever one you think it leans a little bit more towards. And then uh, maybe a little explanation. All right. Awesome. So art or craft? Uh, charcuterie. Is it an art or is it a craft? Craft. Without, without, didn't even take more than two seconds to think about it. No. Um, and n- namely because? You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's something you learn, right? You got you to gotta learn all of the details. There's science involved. And, uh, you know, it. I don't know. It's, there's building blocks that you need to know in order to do charcuterie. Yeah, and, you, and I, I mean, of course, you can create new flavors. Yeah. But a lot of it is just sort of like very traditional the old world sort of, of it stuff. Is, is a craft. And I love how you also mentioned, though, like you, the science of it, right? Yeah. Because um, I think sometimes craft and science sort of get confused. I think a lot of people's craft means just, oh, I just something I do with my hands. Yeah. But the fact that there's a science to it. Yeah, I mean, there's a science to even, you know, building a building, right? Of so, course, of course. so, of course, there's a yeah, science to that. And there's definitely a science that you need to know or you're going to kill people, especially <laughs> with the, like, cured sausages and stuff. Good but, point, good point. Yeah. Always, uh, always, it's always something to look into. Yeah. Um, uh, where do you think, uh, is charcuterie as hot as it was? Is it still hot here in St. Louis or... I mean, it was. You know, a, I mean, obviously, it, it went through, I think, a pretty big phase, right? It may have died down a little, but, I mean, for me, charcuterie is always where it's at you know we have a french restaurant with like you know uh terrines and you know pate yes and, you know at our italian restaurant we make our you know finocchiona spricciolona and stuff like that i mean uh, charcuterie will will never not be hot to me that's true that's true and even like you had mentioned with the um the some of the brazilian dish like you throw a nub into a pot of beans oh yeah exactly <laughs> throw, yeah, yeah. throw that nub into yeah. a pot of beans uh molecular gastronomy art or craft um, or even worthy of this discussion. I, I, again, a craft. I think you okay. know. I think there's so much uh, technique that you need to learn to do that, to do that really well. Right. Uh, that that it's a craft. Is it a thing still? Or I mean, it- I you know I don't know if the name or whatever. You know, whenever I talk about fads, uh, I always say that I don't I don't hate any fads, right? right? Because I think. Uh, something good and lasting always comes from from all of them, and I think molecular gastronomy, uh, especially. I think there, there's so much to be learned and so much that you can do to this day 
without it being as overwhelming as it may have been like 10 years ago or something like that or exactly. you know, seven years ago. Uh, everything goes too far, right, to a certain degree. But I, I love what you said. Like, also, where do you draw the line? And again, I don't associate or identify myself as a molecular gastronomy yeah. guy. No one really does, quite yeah. honestly. Um, but like, is it sous vide cooking? Like, does that mean you're a molecular gastronomist if you like slow cook a pork exactly. shoulder in a water it's, bath? It's just smart sometimes. Right? Exactly, right? exactly. You know? And it doesn't, it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't have to be weird science. And it's fun. It is Honestly, fun. Honestly, that's, that's what Ferran Adre got, got really, really well, is, is that it's fun. You yes, know? The, the, the theater of it, um, which is also like, um, I think that's becoming, this is going to a sidebar, but like, are you, are you doing any like table side stuff in any of the places or, or, you, or, or even what are your thoughts on like table side? I mean, I think table side stuff's awesome. Right. Uh, we, we don't do a ton of it, right. but, but I think it's cool. Especially right. even like old school, like. I still right. want to see a bananas foster. Exactly, right? Sherry Jubilee, yeah. uh, Baked Alaska, the, yeah. the uh, Sol Meunier. Yeah, I'm you still, know? <laughs> still a kid when I see that stuff, you know? It's kind of fun, but I feel like it's, I, I feel like conceptually I see a lot of that sort of coming back. Yeah. And like in the sort of weird science world, it was like, oh, you bring some nitrogen to the table and you make a cocktail table side. But the fact is, that's just Cherry's Jubilee from, you know, Escoffier or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, Artacraft, uh, this one I think is, I'm trying to get you maybe to go the other way. Uh, <laughs> plating, fine dining plating. Okay, that's definitely an art. That's an art, right? Yeah. So, like, um, uh, do you have any, uh, w- uh, any, like, sort of rules to plating? Again, uh, most of your food seems like incredible. I'm always interested, especially chefs whose food is very soulful like yours. Yeah. Jeremy Fox is another chef that comes to mind. Like you have any like just strict sort of plating? I mean, Jer- Jeremy Fox is like, you know, Michael Jordan, right? <laughs> when he plays. I don't like it's so effortless for him. It drives me crazy. But that's what it is. But like we've had him on the pod and it's not. If you if you get into it with him, it's not necessarily effortless. Like yeah, there, no, no, or, no. I mean, maybe it's the photography part that becomes the effort, but like there's a like the rules are pretty specific on how to make it look effortless almost. Yeah, and I think know? your food. I mean, your food is to me pretty similar as far as like the way it like it feels. That's like the greatest it. compliment ever. In the oh, world. dude, thanks. Uh, no, uh, you know, I I think simplicity is is one of the hardest things to do as as a chef. You know, right. not overcomplicating something uh it's like a purposefully messy hair you know? right 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 like exactly spent i mean i'm, I'm, I'm saying that because you're looking at me i yeah. hope i'm taking that as a compliment as well um, <laughs> and i'm bald so i you know everything goes the beard to is hair, looking good you know? the beard is looking good um so it's it's more just like a um a sim- uh, 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 the guidelines is simplicity right yeah We're yeah play. uh being a restaurateur art of craft um that's definitely like a, a solid mix. Nice. Right? It's arts and crafts, as yeah. uh, one of our other guests has said. Um, yeah, I think you have to think outside of the box a lot, you know, when you're a restaurateur and when you're a manager and, you know, how to keep people happy, how to keep business moving. You know, I mean, Niche was 11 years old when it when it left, but Brasserie is, uh, is nine years old. Taste is nine years old. I mean, you know, you got to be really thoughtful to... to keep a business running that long and you, you got to be willing to take risks and and you know, pivot sometimes and, yeah and pivot because um, we have our, one of my places coming up on five years and like uh that's a pretty big achievement for me yeah and how much so you have a restaurant that's your oldest restaurant is nine, nine yeah years we old. have two nine-year-old restaurants years old. yeah what what is that in human years I know that's like 500. <laughs> I mean, it's at least yeah. 40s, right? Yeah, like at 10 sure. years, you're at least even more. I think at 10 years, you're 
you know, you're 50, 60 years old in human years. Yeah, these that days especially. I mean, it, it, only gets, it only gets larger. Right. If you get to 20 years, then it's just like you're just a legend because you're there. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Do you ha- I wonder at 20 years, because none of us, obviously, we're not there yet, but I wonder if at 20 years you don't have to pay attention anymore. <laughs> if you're, if you're just like, <laughs> I doubt and it. I'm sure St. Louis has, like, or just like a place that like, you might see on like a diner's drive-ins and dives, and you're like, oh, I've been here forever. Yeah. They serve great tacos. That's and it. some of them are great, and right. some of them are god-awful. That and is you're true. And you're like, oh, man, what a uh, letdown. That is true. Uh, pasta making, art or craft? Ah, uh, craft. Mm. Yeah. Again, a, a pretty like again serious like yeah, very very technique authoritative answer driven and you know so many ways to do it, uh, you know. But I think even I, I don't know the guy, but I bet even you know Evan Funk would agree, right? Uh, Oh, I mean, Evan Funk, I think, would, like... Super craft. Yeah, probably get upset that I even, like, (laughs) asked the question. We have to get him on the pod. That's a... um, Definitely, but why why isn't there more creativity in the shapes of pasta? I know there's thousands of shapes, but I've... I've, Again, again, I'm I'm super into Italian food, and, like, I love when you stumble across, like, um, a shape or two that just is out of sort of... Their run is over, almost like a car. Like, there was a shape that was a wave. Have you... I forget the name of this... It's, um, but it was like designed by the same person who um, designed the DeLorean. Okay. Do you know this? Do you know this no. story? Okay. So there was like some some like fashion designer basically was like, I'm going to design a pasta shape. Someone, one of our listeners is going to have to hit us up with what the shape is. It was the same person who like designed the DeLorean, you know, from Back to the Future, and it was a uh, it was like a curl, like the barrel of a wave, and like a little like hook on it. Huh. I want to send you a picture yeah, right after this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check. But I was that like, out. that's kind of amazing. That like, you know, why why aren't there more? Why aren't there different shapes? Yeah, you know, I think so many have been done. Okay, there you go. Right, that's, that's true. probably tough to to really create. Although, it so, right. sounds like somebody did it. I guess, but at some point, someone invents radiatore, right? Yeah. And someone is like, I, that's a radiator. Or, or do you think the shape comes first or the name? Now we're just like <laughs> totally in a. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's going to do it, I feel like it's going to be Alex Talbot just randomly one day. Oh, yeah. Alex will now send me an email with like, no, (laughs) here are 39 shapes that we've actually developed. Yeah. They also are gluten free. With links to uh, the, you know, ideas and food site, like, you know. 10 years ago exactly are there any people like um, so Alex is one Wiley uh, who's a friend is another one who you know again I sort of like you know I get the knock on TV for being a lot smarter than I actually am (laughs) and like I could barely like stay in a conversation with those guys when they start talking about like ratios and percentage and hydration levels or whatever that whatever like talking to Wiley about a donut like breaks my brain. Oh my god! I bet. Um, I bet. So where are you on that sort of intellectual, like um, scientific, like charts and graphs and percentages? So I mean, I, I'm not as good at all. I mean, at, I use Alex. I just text <laughs> Alex. Uh, you know, guys like Alex or uh, Shola. Uh, you know, those guys are just they're they're super inspiring to me because of how smart, how technical how detailed right. they are. And I almost always try to hire a few people like that because I'm so not like that, unfortunately. That's nice. Do you have, uh, uh, do you have a dedicated sort of lab team? Well, we, we have dedicated people kind of for, for each thing. We don't, we don't have a lab, but you know, our corporate chef, Michael Petrus, is so systems-driven. I mean, he's an amazing chef, uh, but you know, on top of that, he's just so detailed oriented and uh we, we have a pasta guy uh geo and he i mean i mean i've never seen so much detailed pasta work and and i've made a lot of pasta right in my life but but he's just 
he's so uh, I don't know he's so precise about is, everything he does so this is the type of person that like you always worry about like what happens if he's if, if, they, if like he's not there that day <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or, or like you know or like uh, with Eric Repair you know he's got the one fishmonger that oh, like cuts know, like yeah, almost right? all of the fish you uh, hope they train other people <laughs> really really well right it's, it's very I was telling yeah. one of my chefs last night like, you know other people have to do this one thing you yeah. can't just be sitting here in the corner <laughs> doing this really precise thing other people or are going to no have to one figure else it out can do it. Uh, art or craft uh, the chef table visit in a restaurant the chef table visit yeah. I mean that's just like the, the, the terrifying thing for me oh really uh, yeah okay. I mean I, I think I've gotten better at it okay. you know over the years of course I have to do it a lot um but yeah, you, I mean, you've you got to put that energy on. Uh, that's that's definitely an art. There's no okay. There you go. That like, one. Nice. It's it's all sort of uh, free form, right? Yeah. It's, it's not. It's art and abstract art. Uh, media, chefs, like television media, morning shows, uh, podcasts. Oh man, I'm I'm the wrong guy to ask about that. For you, it's an art. For me, it's probably uh, you know a craft of just learning how to. Uh, oh, I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still still figuring it out as well. I think that it is interest. I think it is interesting in our world to think of it as a craft. Yeah. Because then I think that makes uh, like for me like um you know I'm not naturally good on like television or in in media so like if I think about it like it's uh, a craft it helps me a little bit because I, I can like go back and watch game tape and be like oh yeah look I didn't smile here or I didn't say that or that was a horrible thing to do so I think for me uh, it's it's probably it's probably an art but I treat it like a craft uh, farming farming def uh, man. Definitely craft. I mean, it is weird, right? Because you could find both answers to, to all of this. This is true. This is true. You know, I think, you know, the foundation, I think what, what makes anything that you do, whether you're a lawyer, doctor, anything, is that there's a foundation, right? Right. To, to all of these things that you need to learn, right? So, you, you know, you've always met chefs who've kind of skipped learning how to actually cook, right? right. And, uh, you know, just kind of jumped ahead somehow. But, but you know, you know when somebody has the craft foundation right. of what they're doing, but then from there, right? That that's what makes people unique. You know, in in all of those fields, right? Is the art side of it? Is that you know their personality kind of coming out in everything they do, the way they think, the way they manipulate? Uh, you know, that's that's the art side of just about everything. So yeah. I mean, obviously, you, you probably play this game for that reason. No, but that's the uh, go that, that's ways. I think you know, that you just like hit the whole like the whole like theme of this podcast is it like it's just it, or this this sort of segment is it's the craft first. Yeah, almost with everything. Yeah, like there it has to be. Right? I, I guess even like you, you just said it in different industry. I guess even like as a, as as a painter, I'm you know like at some point I'm assuming you're coloring by numbers or you're copying someone else's work and yeah. you're getting the craft part of it down before you're like you got to learn angles. You got to exactly. learn. You, you know you got to know the rules before you break them, kind of thing. 100. Um, percent Staff management. How to be because this is something again I have I'm not necessarily always good at yeah it's a challenge it's fluid and live and hot wires and that is an art that is, <laughs> that is an art you know managing people and uh you know because it's different all the time you know like you said it's always changing it's it's kind of a freestyle to some degree every day again you have you know you have systems you have all of that business in place but but how you deal with people you know uh can't be too formulated that's true, right? I can't because everyone's got. Have you? Um, did you come up in like a hard sort of like? I came up again with a lot of hard 
French chefs and either yeah. like you didn't talk at all or like you only said we oui or whatever yeah. it was. Is that sort of how you came up as well? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think, I, you know, the past. So four years ago, I pretty much uh, was, was having a nervous breakdown. Okay. I, you know, I was just we had just opened up Pasteria. It was our fourth restaurant, our biggest. And, you know, I no longer felt like I could wrap my arms around everything and control it. Right. And so things just always felt a little out of control and never quite right and which led me to always just be frustrated and yelling and sure uh you know obviously because i wasn't doing my job right uh and so you know it's probably actually five years ago now i'm getting old uh but but we started to rework our culture based off of that and to to really start to kind of like in in this part probably is more craft right to define what the steps were that kind of got us where we were so that we could more effectively teach people we you know you talk about them as values but really they're you know like stepping stones for people to kind of wrap their arms around how to make a decision how to make a choice going forward without you know gerard or somebody else uh hovering over you in order to make that choice nice so you guys did that like well ahead of the curve to sort of like put those systems in place yeah and i mean you know i don't and now you're not that now you're not uh, like because i mean again i was the same like i i tell stories about like i i felt like i was baby gordon ramsay at some point in my career totally and it probably was because i was not in control i was not in control yeah and like i had seen people that i worked with like okay when you're not in control you you know you pound your fist on the past or you you know ask for a plate aggressively or whatever it is um and like it, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work for your own mental health. No, no. And I mean, then like it never really. I don't think inspires your team. It doesn't inspire team. them. I mean, you might get the job done, and I think that's why yelling has always been kind of the greatest lie in our industry. Is because you know you do see instantaneous results, right? You know, like I can give me that plate right now. You know, right. like somebody, <laughs> yeah, somebody I, gets a little faster, but at the end of the day, they burn out after nine months and. You know, don't ever want to come back. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, <clears throat> near the end of the podcast, we always do something uh, at the end. First of all, thank you so much for hanging out with us, dude. Oh, yeah. Thank you for coming to me, too. I really, really appreciate oh, it. Next, for having me. Next episode, let's do another one. Yeah. I'll come to whatever. I'm gonna, I want to eat some uh, awesome Brazilian-inspired food. Oh, we'd love to have you. Uh, in a fancy hotel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, at the end of the podcast, we do something called 86. It's 86. So right. one thing that Gerard Kraft wants to 86, it could be on our industry, the world, it could be super personal, it could be fun, it could be whatever you want it to be. Uh, one thing I want 86, I mean, you know, so there's that and, you know, the, the screaming and the, yeah, the, okay. the yelling and, uh, you know, not that I don't slip, uh, right. but, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've weeded most of that out of my life and, you know, try to weed it out of all of our chefs' lives and managers' lives and. Nice. So the uh, the unnecessary stress of the industry. That's yeah, a, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, most people just say Caesar salad, which yeah. I never understand. I love Caesar salad. <laughs> and, and again, like I mean, only a few, only a few, and usually they they have not been chefs. They've been like personalities or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, I, most chefs are like, what? Someone said Caesar salad. Yeah. That's blasphemy. <laughs> uh, dude, thank you so much for hanging out oh, with us. Thanks for having uh, me. Everyone, I hope you love the episode. Do me a favor. Go on, go on over to iTunes. Uh, hit subscribe. Drop us a review on this episode with Gerard Kraft. We're having a lot of fun here in St. Louis. Uh, and until next time, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. 
everyone, thank you so much for listening to Starving for Attention, uh, our uh, ad sponsors. You make it all happen. And today it was True Car. Visit True Car for a better car buying experience. Until next week, stay hungry.